Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. We are continuing in Matthew chapter 13. If you have a Bible, why don't you grab it and open up there, Matthew 13. I'm going to read verses 31 to 34. Uh, for us. But as we come to the scriptures today, why don't we just quieten ourselves for a moment and pray. Father, we recognize today, we confess that you are a speaking God. Thank you, Lord, that you are not distant. You're not just an idea, but that you are a personal and intimate presence longing to connect with us, to speak to us, to change us, and to enfold us into the story of your kingdom. And so as we open your word today, we humbly pray, come Holy Spirit, speak to us, O God, in Jesus' name, amen. This is Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 31. It says, he put another parable before them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants, and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Amen. I wonder, do you ever find certain things that God says or certain stories in the scripture really uninspiring. I don't know about you, but some of these passages or these stories, these parables fall firmly in that category for me. They're things I think were I to place myself around Jesus at the time. I would actually, if I'm honest, have found myself a little bit disappointed with his choice of metaphor. We'll we'll talk more about that in, in a little while. Disappointment kind of feels like the word for the season or maybe the year. 2020, I think for many of us, we will look back on uh, as the year of disappointment. Perhaps for many of us, that is the greatest understatement that we could manage to say. So many of us entered this year with all kinds of hopes and expectations. I wonder if I were to ask you to rewind in your brain to December 2019, the end of December 2019, what some of your New Year's resolutions were. I wonder how many of you had incredible plans for this year, new ideas, new ventures, um, special holidays or wedding days or all of that sort of stuff. I wonder what you kind of carried into this year. And then if it's not, you know, too much of a downer. How do you feel about what's happened up to now? I was chatting to a friend last week who had to tell his eight-year-old that her birthday party was 
not going to be possible because of the new COVID restrictions. And it was actually his seven-year-old that found that the most difficult. She just wept so disappointed for her sister that she wasn't going to be able to enjoy her birthday party. Disappointment, it's kind of like one of those annoying friends who never asks questions and just keeps talking, right? You know, when you're just like, would you just mind being quiet for a second? Or maybe would you be interested in someone else for a moment? That's what this year has kind of felt like. You've just this companion constantly. And maybe even in some of the lighter moments or more fun moments, then a few moments later, we're just reminded of what we're not able to do or what we love to do that we can't do. And all of that kind of stuff like many of you know, Dana and I moved into our new home a couple of weeks ago, and truthfully, that has been such a strange experience for us. We've been moving towards this moment for the last two and a half years, and since about December, really, we've been planning what we were going to call our Festival of Thanksgiving. There are so many people, individuals, and families who have prayed for us, who have encouraged us, who've journeyed with us over the last two and a half years. And we were so excited about being able to welcome them into this thing that we had built with them to say thanks. As a matter of fact, a huge part of the design kind of concept of our home was all about hospitality. We, we had a bit of a budget crisis um, just before we started the build. And I remember chatting to our architect who was saying, well, look, we could just leave the guest room out for now. And Dana and I both just thought, we, 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 can't, we can't do that. That's why we're doing this. So much of this project is about hospitality. From the very beginning of our marriage, welcoming people into our homes, not just for dinner, but to stay or even live with us at times, has been a, a hugely important part of our lives. In the beginning, we, we literally had a sofa in a small living room, and we couldn't wait to have a home that had hospitality designed into the very fabric of it, and we were so excited about being able to welcome people into that space. Of course, we get to now, and we get to this moment, and we're sitting there looking at each other and the kids. As I studied and as I prayed this week, like I said earlier, I, I couldn't help but begin to notice moments where the prevailing atmosphere around Jesus or those following him was not one of inspiration or not one of excitement or even adrenaline, but rather disappointment. John records in chapter six of his gospel, verse, 30, verse 66, after this, this is what John says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You can go and read about what's happening in John 6 later, but Jesus says some things that the people around him just, they just can't really stomach. And John records these, these words, they, they have such a sadness to them. Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. The language there is so interesting to me. It's not 
Many of his disciples stopped believing in him. Many of his disciples rejected the idea of God. Many of his disciples became atheists. No, it just says that they turned back and they no longer walked with him. I wonder in our disappointment, friends, how many of us is that true for? We, we haven't all of a sudden decided we're not Christians. We, we haven't walked away from belief in God. We perhaps have just stopped walking with Jesus. You see, there was a huge expectation on what the Messiah would do when he came. What liberation would look like. When the breakthrough came, it would be accompanied by angelic fanfare. The heavens would open and the coming king would descend on the enemies of God with power, glory, and a sword of fire. And everyone would be swept up into this euphoric hallelujah moment. God has come. Instead, these men and women find themselves following a peasant carpenter who didn't even own his own house. And for many of them, the disappointment was simply too much to bear. They could no longer walk with him. Like I said last week, these stories that Jesus is telling in Matthew chapter 13 is a direct attempt by Jesus to confront the way his followers were seeing the world and the kingdom of God around them. What, what he's doing is he's saying to them, guys, you're not seeing correctly. What you're expecting and what I'm doing are the same. They just don't look the same in your imagination. Liberation has come, but it doesn't look like what you expected. Freedom is available, it just doesn't appear the way that you thought it would. He's changing or challenging them to change how they see the world and the kingdom of God in breaking into it all around them. What did they see when they looked at Jesus? The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at a grain of a mustard seed, maybe later Google image that. It's utterly unimpressive. There's absolutely nothing about it that looks interesting or exciting. It's incredibly small. Surely the kingdom of heaven should have a metaphor dripping with beauty and power. Like, like Jesus should say something like, the kingdom of heaven is like an eagle soaring above the clouds. We could all get on board with that, right? Or the kingdom of heaven is like a tsunami crashing into a coastline. We're like, yes, power and fear and majesty and wonder. Or, or the kingdom of heaven is like an enormous oak tree in the height of summer, majestic and beautiful, providing shade for all those around it. Jesus doesn't say that. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. What do you think would appear more powerful to you? A Roman legion decked out in all of its glory and splendor, armed for battle, or a naked peasant 
nailed to a cross, suffocating to death. You see, we're on this side of the story, and I think many of us still haven't found a way to see correctly. Many of us were addicted to the shiny and the large, the impressive. Jesus says we need to learn how to see the impressive and the immediate. They get lots of attention, right? But the kingdom of God grows best in hidden and secret corners of our lives, places that are easily dismissed or overlooked. We live in the age of scale, right? Any entrepreneurs among us will know that the most important question any good investor will ask about a new business idea is how quickly does it scale? We, we need to understand, you see, that the kingdom of God does not scale. It grows. It does not scale. It grows. There is no magic formula. There is no fast track. There is just seed buried in soil. Mustard trees are notoriously sluggish and slow to grow. But listen, they are experts at growing in climates where nothing else grows where water is scarce, where it is far too hot. The kingdom of God grows best in times of challenge and difficulty and struggle if we have eyes to see it. There's this really frustrating dynamic when it comes to the pace that God moves. A friend of mine says it this way, that God only has two paces, slowly and suddenly. And unfortunately, the suddenly seems to always proceed to slowly. After slow and slow and slow and slow, then suddenly God moves. The problem for many of us is we don't have the patience or the resilience to walk with him in the slowly. We have planted, or I say we, I had nothing to do with it. A man came in a tractor, and I gave him their grass seed, and he planted the field in front of our house with grass. It's been amazing over the last four weeks to look at that field every day where apparently nothing is happening. It just looks like muck in a field, day in, day out, trying to keep the kids off it, trying to keep the dog out of it. And then last week, almost overnight, it's like grass appeared. You see, the reality for those weeks of apparent inactivity beneath the ground, something magical is happening. Life and growth is happening. We just can't see it yet. That is exactly what Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like. Seed buried in soil, apparently doing nothing outward. There's nothing impressive, there's nothing shiny, there's nothing exciting, just seed buried in soil doing what it's supposed to do. If there was ever a time in our lives, if there was ever a time in our lives for us to learn how to see correctly, it's now. 
there was ever a time in our lives to recognize that God is planting seed all around us, among us, and within us, it is now. The seeds of the kingdom are being sown. And they look utterly unimpressive. They look impossible to solve the problems that we're facing as a community. The question we must reflect on is what do we see? Yes, there is economic insecurity. Yes, there is political dysfunction. Yes, there is a public health crisis. And yes, there is disappointment that all of us carry in our hearts and our lives. And in the midst of it all, tiny seeds are falling to the ground. The Lord whispers to us, come and find me in the midst of all of this. Come and discover a life source that cannot be shaken. Come and watch how small seeds become huge trees in my time. I believe with all of my heart, perhaps like I have never done before in my life, that Jesus is doing something remarkable among us at this time. But we need eyes to see it we need faith to recognize it, and we need courage to cultivate it. My question for you today is what kingdom seeds is God sowing in your life? And do you have the eye to see them? The faith to recognize them and the courage to cultivate them Life with Jesus is not supposed to make sense to the world around us. It's not supposed to make sense that we would spend hours a day in prayer when we could seemingly be doing something much more practical and beneficial with our time. In the middle of our disappointment about not being able to host our friends and loved ones in our new home, the Lord spoke so clearly to Dana just last week. He said, why don't you host me and your family? Why, why don't you learn how to host me in this new home and host your family in this new home? We will never be trusted with anything more valuable than those three little treasures that terrorize our lives at times. And in the midst, in the midst of our disappointment, God opened our eyes to see the only seed that really matters, the seeds of his presence that we need to learn with him how to cultivate. Will we learn to host him? Will we learn to host our families at this time? In a season when this venue is empty, what if our homes were full? In a season when we're not able to host our families or our friends, what if we learned how to host the presence of Jesus? I'm not talking about 
quiet times or Bible reading, as much as I love that, I'm talking about the holy presence of Jesus. The kind of presence that makes grown men cry and brings idols to their knees in our lives. What if the move of God that many of us have been longing for for years has actually already begun? It just doesn't arrive with fanfare and church buildings full and stadiums packed out with worship, but it actually arrives with tiny little seeds of something different. Something maybe many of us have never really known before. What if it begins with an elderly man on his knees beside his bed or a seven-year-old girl opening her heart to Jesus in the quietness of her own home? Are we looking for trees and are we missing the seeds? You see, every great move of God in history began with ones and twos on their knees in quiet corners of their lives and hearts, crying out to God to move. Lagan Valley Vineyard, your God loves you. He is with you and he is calling you. Will you come? Will you learn to host him? To set aside the disappointment and tend to the seeds that he is planting in your life. Guys, will you come up? We, uh, we had a team in here yesterday of lots of fathers and sons and individuals making these. Uh, it's been amazing to actually listen to the different uh, interpretations of how you use one of these, even just this morning. Um, what is it some of you are asking? Uh, this is prayer stool. Um, and our goal is to make one for every person in our community that wants one. Now, we recognize that might take a bit of time, but um, we've 50 of these made, I think. And um, it's for your home. And it, it's likely to be the most unimpressive piece of furniture in your home. It's kind of got a, what even is that vibe to it? Like, did they make it wrong? It, it's not flat or straight. It, it doesn't have any kind of fancy bells or whistles. It, it's just three pieces of wood screwed together. When you look at this, what do you see? I see the power of God. I see kingdom seeds, men and women, boys and girls, all across this region, kneeling in worship. That's how it works, by the way. It's not for kneeling on, or as somebody suggested to me earlier, putting your elbows on. The prayer still works by enabling you to kneel for longer. What if, what if this was a moment for us as a community 
to learn how to see what the Lord is doing, to find ourselves in our homes in this posture, cultivating worship, seeking Jesus, putting our hope and our trust and our faith in him, learning how to allow seeds to become trees, to embrace the process, to refuse to stop seeking until we have found that which we value more than anything else, the presence of Jesus. And then to allow that presence to flow from our lives to our families and our neighbors and our work colleagues to recognize that the presence of God is available to us in our bedrooms and our living rooms and our kitchens. What do you see? What do you see? Let's pray. Can I uh, encourage you, um, wherever you are right now, would you get off your seat and would you kneel? Wherever you are. For some of you watching at home with your partner or spouse, this is gonna be super awkward. This is the moment where we normally ask you to do something and you stay seated watching. And, uh, can I really encourage you right now at home, it won't be as comfortable as maybe I'm experiencing it right now, but maybe you should email us and get a prayer stool. Can I encourage you to kneel? And maybe just open your hands in front of you. There's a beautiful story of uh, someone years ago, we had a moment like this in church. There was lots of people here and I encourage everybody to kneel. And um, someone emailed me that week, they were out for a run listening on the podcast and they, um, they got to this moment in the podcast and they just stopped running and they just knelt at the side of the road. Maybe if you're driving, you're excused. But wherever you are, wherever you are, just kneel now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come and fill our homes right now. Fill our lives, Jesus. Jesus, we recognize before you today in this moment, our hearts are broken. There's so much disappointment. There's so much of what we had hoped for or what we thought this year was gonna look like. But Lord, we offer that to you now. We give you what's in our hearts and we welcome you. Come now, come. Lord, help us to see the seeds that you're sowing. Help us to see the seeds that you're sowing in our lives. Open our eyes. Jesus, I pray. I pray. For a move of God among us. Not euphoric fanfare 
but humble repentance that finds us on our knees in our homes seeking you learning how to join in with what you're doing in our lives and our families with our kids, neighbours, work colleagues come Lord Jesus teach us how to cultivate the seeds of your kingdom and as we seek you as we seek you, God, would you exchange disappointment for hope? Would you exchange faith for fear? Would you exchange health for sickness? Trust in you, Jesus. some time in worship. I encourage you to stay on your knees as the band lead us. As we listen to the Holy Spirit and as we give Jesus what he is due. Come, oh God. This, this is the point. This right here is the whole point. Not full buildings, not fancy lights, not great sound but men and women, boys and girls on their knees before Jesus, willing to accept whatever seeds he wants to plant in their lives, refusing to partner with prevailing attitudes and narratives of cynicism and negativity, hopelessness and fear, but cultivating an atmosphere of hope and partnership with the Holy Spirit. not in some kind of deluded denial of the reality of what we're walking through together, but rather a recognition that our lives are rooted in something deeper. Rivers of living water actually flow in our spirits because of the crucifixion, resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Because the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God is actually true and available to us. That we would refuse to rush from here to tick a box of listening to a service and sitting through a song. But that our hunger for the presence of Jesus would supersede everything and anything else in our lives. That we would refuse to get up before he comes. that we would repent of going through the motions or of saying things like, I just can't do YouTube church. But in quiet, hidden corners and spaces of our lives, we would find ourselves on our knees seeking Jesus. yourself in a place, in a season, in a moment right now that you just feel stuck. I 
I get it. Seeds are unimpressive. I get it. The kingdom is slow and then sudden. I get it. Jesus is at work, but I just feel stuck. We want to pray for you. We want to talk to you. We want to help you. Can I encourage you to uh, sign up for a pastoral guidance appointment? Uh, send us an email. We'd love to set you up with some prayer ministry. But don't accept being stuck. Don't accept just here we are in October and you're in the same place you were in August or July or whatever. We'd love, we'd love, we'd love to connect with you, to hear from you, and to help you and pray for you in any way that we can.